I hope you're glad to be here today if you were here last week. I hope that you're excited. Of course, if you've been reading through the New Testament with us, you've already heard the good news. Things don't stay as we left them last week. Last week, we left things in a state of despair, in a place where uh, all hope had been lost. We looked and considered that on that last day of Passover and the things that, that happened to Jesus, they happened so quickly. And it, it's amazing to think that uh, during one week, Jesus had entered Jerusalem with this triumphal entry and everybody's expecting him to become the rightful king and the mighty king, the promised one. And a few days later, at about midnight, is when he is betrayed with a kiss. And he had been talking to them about the fact that this was going to happen this way. He promised that that it was going to happen, and they just couldn't get it in their minds. And so then at about midnight on uh, that, well, what we would call Friday morning, midnight... That's around that time is when he's betrayed with a kiss, and then in the process of the next nine hours, he goes through a trial, ends up getting hung on that cross, and six hours later, dies. So nine hours is uh, the process that it took him to get to the cross, and then once he's on the cross, he's there for six hours before he dies. And uh, then a few hours later, he is placed in a tomb. And here it was that last day of Passover, and Jesus of Nazareth was, was betrayed, beaten, mocked, humiliated, tried, and more of a, really not even tried, it was a kangaroo court, it was a mockery of justice, and then he was crucified and buried. The hopes of all of his disciples died with him, but on the, but on the following day, their hope was destroyed in a mighty and wonderful and a spectacular way. So let's look at Luke 24. And we're going to see this. This is on that Resurrection Sunday. And we're going to look at these two disciples. They're not of the twelve, but these two disciples are on their way out of town. They're walking along the road, and we're going to see something wonderful happen to them Though they are walking along the road and their heads are probably hung low, for they are, as Scripture says, quite sad, God's going to do a wonderful thing. So Luke 24, and this is in our Scripture reading, we had read read Luke 24, 1 through 12. And we hear the miraculous uh, event that takes place and Jesus is, uh, is... told to be risen from the dead, and the, the women are the first witnesses of his resurrection. But um, there are a couple of people who have heard about this, perhaps heard them testify and say these things, but they still go on their way and get out of town. So let's pick up with these people. Verse 13 of chapter 24 in Luke. Let's read verses 13 through 16. We'll be following along closely on the outline today. So if you don't have a proclaimer, you're welcome to grab one so that you can follow along there. And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, 
which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. In the comment for these verses, it says, Now resurrected, Jesus appears to two disciples, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. They couldn't see him. And this brings all kinds of questions. And perhaps if you want to talk about what on earth, how did this happen? How could this be that they don't recognize them? We can, we can talk about it at the beginning of our Bible class if you'd like. But they don't recognize him. They don't know who he is. And, and it, it sounds like it was a problem with their seeing. They couldn't recognize. They were prevented from recognizing him. And it's just interesting to think that, that here they were, that, that Jesus had come just as prophesied through all of Scripture and what happened, happened to him according to the Scriptures, but they had misunderstood the Scriptures. And they were only looking at Scriptures that, were, that they got this picture of a mighty king probably, and they were thinking of one who was going to deliver them from Rome. And when that didn't happen, all hope was lost. They lost all hope. They couldn't see even the Lord who was walking right beside them. So spiritually, I knew, I know it was just true. They couldn't see Jesus at all. They had no idea who he was, in fact, because they hadn't paid attention to the scriptures, as we're going to learn and see from this story later. They couldn't see Jesus. Makes me wonder just how many people today um, are, you know, as the world spins on its axis. As life goes on and time goes on, there are churches all over the world who gather on a Sunday as it is the Lord's day to recognize the Lord. To <laughs> interesting choice of word, wasn't it? To recognize the Lord, but they don't really recognize the Lord. How many people sitting in pews, just like we are now, who are sitting out there listening to, to maybe some sermon and they're, they're trying to be right with God, but they don't even know Jesus. They don't even recognize Jesus. So many churches don't even uh, partake of the Lord's Supper every Sunday. And I think that is the clear example of Scripture. We ought to do that. That is how we remember Jesus as often as we come together. And this is how we recognize our Lord, Jesus. But people don't even know him. How many people sitting in pews, and I pray this is not anyone at all here today, but how many people sitting out in pews today on this Sunday as the world turns, and they come to church and claim to know Jesus, and claim to rely upon Jesus, and claim he's the, the first and foremost, and I have died to him, and I... Died for him and I lived to him to live to myself no longer. And yet when they leave that building, they go out and they live just like the rest of the world. And that's really one of the, the greatest reasons why uh, there is such a decline in churches these days. It's because young people, they see hypocrisy. Young people can smell hypocrisy from a mile away. You know, young people... 
No. Do you remember when you were young? Do you remember anybody that when you saw them and you're like, that doesn't seem right that that person, there's something wrong with that person. They're supposed to be a Christian. They're in church and they act like that. It doesn't work. And it's just a shame what has happened uh, to the church in general. Division, hypocrisy, um, it's just rampant. People put on a mask and come to church and then they go out and take off the mask and live like the rest of the world the rest of the week. It ought not be that way. How many people claim to know Christ but they don't? They couldn't recognize him even if he sat down with them at any time on any given Sunday. If he walked alongside of us during the week, would we even recognize our Lord and Savior? So here is Jesus talking to two disciples. And their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Do we really know Jesus? Do we really have such an intimate relationship with Jesus that if he showed up here today, we would, we would know him? We would recognize him. Chapter 24, verses 17 through 20. And he, speaking of Jesus, he said to them, What are these words that you're exchanging with one another as you're walking? And they stood still, looking sad. Oh, i got to pause there a second. Just, Jesus is right with them, and isn't it? You know, what's, what are you talking about? He could have said, oh, you're talking about me, you know. <laughs> he wants to know what they think, what they believe, what they're going through. Get them thinking. So, um, verse number 18, let's continue. And one of them, named Cleopas, answered and said to him, Are you the only ones visiting Jerusalem? Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, the things about Jesus, the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word and in the sight of God and all the people. And how the chief priest and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death. And crucified him. This was no small thing everybody knew. And you think about all the people who'd come to the town for this amazing Passover feast. They filled the city. And everybody knew what had happened. Everybody was aware of what had gone on. That was certainly true. And so they're blown away by the fact that there could possibly be somebody who didn't know what had happened. So they start to tell their sad story. And they are sad. They're downcast. They're low. They're they're slumped over. Imagine the road that they're walking on. It's a slow walk, these seven miles. Maybe just take a, usually would take a couple hours. They're probably taking three or more. They're just dragging along. Such a sad day for them. And it's interesting when we're going to see this. They had already been told, somebody told them he was resurrected, but 
They're still sad. They don't believe. So, verse 21 then. It says, and he said to them, oh, excuse me, verse 21. i got to get there. You're probably there. Verse 21, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it's the third day since, all, since these things happened. We were hoping. We were hoping he was the one who was going to save us. We were hoping he was going to redeem us and he was going to make us into a great nation again. He was going to be the king like David to conquer all the enemies. We were hoping. Do you hear their statement? We were hoping. It's not we were we were kind of hoping. All our, they had placed all their hope in him. And when he died on the cross, they gave up hope. They lost their hope. And that's where we were at last Sunday. And we saw how tragic this event was. How, how horrible it was as the Son of God went to the cross. And he, everybody deserted him and left him. Suffered at the hands of evil people. Died on that cross. What a horrible event. It was the worst day and the worst, uh, the worst, most unjust day in all of history. The very perfect Son of God died on that cross, taking all of our sins with Him there. It was a horrible and tragic day, but for these folks, they didn't realize the glory of it. We were hoping, but they had lost all hope. You know, and sometimes even we who believe in Jesus, sometimes we start to lose hope. We start to lose a little bit of that faith. And we need to grab hold of Jesus. We need to not be like these men. We need to be filled with hope and let that hope do what it does for these men as we continue on this this story, let this hope fill us with joy. Let this hope give us life. We've got to live for Jesus and not be like the rest of men who have no hope. Let, let us live with hope. But these poor disciples, they had lost all hope. Verse number Verse, on to verse number 22 through 24. This is still uh, these two disciples talking. It says, But also some women among us amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women also had said, but him they did not see. Now for me this was kind of, it's, it's, it's a strange thing, isn't it? They've heard this story that the women shared, and the angels were there and said, he is not here but risen. But man, some people went and they didn't find him. They didn't, they didn't believe the women. They haven't changed their story. It's not that we had once had lost all hope, but now there is hope again that the women found. No, they didn't find the body. 
they're still left without hope. They don't believe. They were amazed, but it didn't change their minds. It didn't change their state. It didn't change their emotion. It didn't change what they thought to be true. And they, all they thought to be true is that here it is three days later and Jesus, he died. He's gone. Our hopes are all gone. We had hoped, but we hope no more. Then on to verse uh, 25, the one that they walk with is going to have something to say. The risen Lord who is hearing them say about how hopeless the situation is because the Lord is not risen. The risen Lord is going to share with them some news, some information. So verse number 25, and he, Jesus, and he said to them, and I can't imagine the, uh, the emotion that Jesus spoke with on this one. Oh, foolish men, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was he, was he almost laughing at him? Like, are you kidding me? Or was he angry? Come on, you foolish people. I don't know what it was. Was he sad? Oh, so sad. It was how, how can, you know, he's probably all of those at once. How often he is with us like that who don't believe, don't understand, or maybe even when we do understand, we don't live like it. We don't live out what we truly believe. And I know it's got to make him frustrated. It's got to make God angry. It's got to make... Jesus just sad, it has got to make him just want to grab us and shake us. Are you kidding me? Come on, people. Oh, foolish men, and slow of heart to believe. And doesn't that describe people today? Foolish and slow to believe. You can read it right in front of you. They had the Old Testament. How many of these folks even had the entire Old Testament even memorized? It's just, it's just mind-boggling to think that people did that. But they did. And yet, they did not see Jesus. They did not recognize Jesus. Oh, oh foolish people. And so just just stop for a think, second and think. Hey, if I can make that statement here, and you can agree that, that j- this is the state of people today. They're, we are foolish and we are slow of heart to believe. If you think that to be true, then we've got to understand that we also are very prone. and very. It's very easy for us to be like this, to be foolish and hard of heart to believe. Slow of heart to believe. And so we just need to pause and consider that could be us. People who have heard about the resurrection of Jesus, these two people on the road, the women have already spoken to them, and now the Lord is standing in their midst, and they don't know it. Foolishness and slow of heart. And if I think that that is, would be my, just my natural tendency then I need to be very careful to make sure that 
I do everything I can to make sure this doesn't apply to me. So I need to learn from this passage of Scripture because I don't want to be foolish and slow of heart to learn. Because on that final day, if we don't turn and recognize Jesus, if we don't really know Jesus, if we don't see Him in this life while we're here, we are not going to know Him in the next life to come. Let us not be foolish. Let us not be slow of heart to believe. So... Verse 26 then, here becomes part of the answer and part of the, the rationale for what we need to do and how we need to change, what we need to be aware of. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. All the scriptures, all the scriptures guide us to Jesus. All of the scriptures, he is, he's the, the, the scarlet thread kind of that's woven all the way here through scripture. He is the one who was always, it was always God's plan to send him to save man. And you know what that does for us? It proves to us, even without seeing God, without being able to reach out and touch him today, we know this story to be true because of all that it does and how it explains everything, and it therefore proves the love of God to us. No greater love. Even when God made us, he knew what jerks, what idiots, what foolish people, and how slow of heart to believe we would be, and yet he sent his son to die for us. He died for rebellious people who have turned away from him. He died for people who weren't doing homage to him, who were not kissing him and recognizing him as the king, referencing the the Psalm chapter 2 passage that we read earlier in our service. He died for us, and it's all of the scriptures that guide us to Jesus and that point us to Jesus. It all works together. It all fits together, and it's all necessary. Even the genealogies and and the difficult things to read in here, they're all important. And though some passage might not specifically mention Jesus, it all fits together to bring us to Jesus. It's all one story. It's the story of God's love shown to us through Jesus Christ. So let us open our minds to the Scripture. Um, Look at this uh, verse in 28. We'll read through 31 now. And they they approached the village where they were going, um, and he acted as though he were going further. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it is getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When they had reclined at the, the table with him, he took the bread and blessed it, and breaking it, he began giving thanks to them. When their eyes were opened and they recognized him, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. 
So now this lovely passage, we had seen that their eyes were kept or prevented from recognizing Jesus. And now after Jesus has expounded the scriptures to them and he comes to this point where they're, they're just sitting down to a regular meal. But he grabs the bread and he gives thanks. And I know he, he did it in the same manner that he did it when he was at the communion feast with them. The Lord's Supper, the Last Supper. And now they recognize him. They see him. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. What a wonderful thought. And in that instance, that very moment, their hope was restored. He is alive. And they have gone from gloom and doom, and then they got this guy coming along and teaching them the Old Testament, which, hey, we already knew it, right? Wouldn't they have said, we already know this stuff in the Old Testament. But then the guy comes along and starts teaching them, and it's like, maybe I didn't know all this. This is, you know, they're... Well, we're going to learn their hearts were burning in them with it while he was teaching them. And so, and then they sit down and they recognize Jesus, and in that moment, everything clicks. They have their hope restored. And it's interesting to think about that at that meal is when their hope was restored and when they recognized Jesus. And to think that every Sunday we have a chance to sit down in a meal where we can declare the death of Jesus, where we can recognize him, where we can remember him. And he wasn't a king who was going to come along with a sword and and slay the enemy, but he is a king who died on the cross to save us from our sins. And that is the glory of our Lord. And every Sunday when we come here, no matter how difficult a week has been, no matter how good a week has been, we're reminded that there's only one thing matters is that we believe in Jesus and give our lives to him and that we don't live to ourselves, but we live for him who died for us. That is hope restored every Sunday. And it's in a, in a meal that, it's a somber occasion. We remember that Jesus died because I'm a jerk, because I'm rebellious, because I'm a sinner. And then, yeah, he did die. And it's through him that I can be saved. And there's joy and hope and restoration in this meal every time we partake. What a glory and what a joy. On to verse 32. They said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? And they got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found gathered together. This was going to be a much faster trip back to Jerusalem, wasn't it? (laughs) I can imagine running along. Three hours to get to Emmaus and a half hour to get back to Emmaus. Well, that would have been a pretty fast time, I guess. Um, but anyhow, verse uh, verse uh, 33, And they got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found gathered together the eleven. And those who were with them saying, The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. This is news that they received. So here are the two disciples who are on the road to Emmaus. With Jesus, one of them named Cleopas, when they get back to the disciples, the disciples are sharing this information with them. This is a, it's kind of a vague way, the way it's worded, but I believe this is the, the apostles are saying to these two people who have shown up, the Lord has really has risen and has appeared to Simon. And they began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of bread. 
So it's both parties sharing with one another their newfound belief. So verses uh, 32 through 35, hope is to be shared. They got this hope and it means something. Boy, this Jesus being raised from the dead, a dead man coming back to life because God raised him up and it's news for the whole world. We need to share that news. Let us share it. Let us tell others about it. A lot of people probably know about it, but they don't really know and understand it. So let us share the good news of Jesus. Verses 36 through 42. While they were telling these things, he himself stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be to you. By the way, in the other Gospels, it tells us that in this instance, the doors were locked. They had shut the doors and locked. There was nobody going to come in. So uh, take that in, in consideration too. Verse 37, but they were startled and frightened and thought they were seeing a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While they still could not believe believe it because of their joy and amazement, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. So for this passage, the, the disciples go from startled, frightened, and doubting. Jesus said, why are you doubting? And they go to joy and amazement. And it's such a joy and amazement that it's, that it's unbelief. And I think it's just, you know, one of those things, like, I can't believe, this, this is impossible, it can't be. It can't, you know, they know it to be true, but they can't grasp it. It's too wonderful, too good, too much joy, too amazing. Kind of like that old show, That's Incredible, right? You ever watch that one? That's Incredible. It's not, it's not incredible. It truly is credible. I could read it here right in this book. But boy, it's incredible. It's amazing. The wonderful joy of a risen Savior. Verse number 44 and 45. Now he had said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their mind to understand the scriptures. He opened their mind. Literally, it was he opened their mind, the New American Standard, and maybe the other translations have in a footnote. It usually says, he opened their minds. Well, literally, the scripture says, he opened their mind. This one mind, he opened their mind altogether, one mind in this church, and it's a mind of belief in Jesus Christ because the scriptures speak of him and tell that everything that happened to him, it was all planned. It was all written about. So disciples, um, well, it's and, and understand too, this hope begins with Scripture. It's understanding Scripture. Once they understood the Scripture, then they could see Jesus. Then they could under open their minds to Jesus. And once they had their minds open, then they could have this joy, this, this wonderful amazement, and something worth sharing. Verses uh, 46 through 49. 
And he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are the witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my holy, of my father upon you, excuse me, the promise of my father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with, from, with power from on high. And here's this wonderful uh, uh, <laughs> picture of something next is going to happen. A wonderful, oh, what's going to happen? And Luke doesn't answer it in this book, but if you keep reading and get to Acts, you'll find out what happens. A wonderful Wonderful story, wonderful promise that is going to be something great for everyone. But he said it's this promise, it's, it's worth sharing. The wonderful hope we have in Jesus, it's worth sharing. And that is the point of what he had been doing with the apostles, is getting them ready to go and share this, uh, to proclaim this good news to all nations. And by the way, we also have... In this, this thought that repentance and forgiveness of sins, it gives a, a really a good, another glimpse for them to help understand, I'm not here to set up a kingdom that's going to destroy Rome. I didn't come to conquer Rome. That's much too small of a, of a task. I came to conquer sin. I came to conquer the power of death, to overcome death and sin and guilt that's what he came for. It's hinted at there, and you know what? They still didn't have their minds open to that. They had to learn that later, if you read in Acts. So, there is the message. Um, Jesus goes on and ascends to the Father. He doesn't die again. He's there at the Father with the Father right now. He's alive and he's well. And the question is, do we open up our minds to know and see Jesus? Do we really get him? You know, and, it, and it's, I, I would say if, if every once in a while I might say something from the pulpit to, to make you say, oh, that's interesting, I didn't know that. And that's kind of neat to know. Well, I want you to consider, if you're not already doing this, start reading scripture and, or keep reading scripture or begin reading it even harder and more seriously because those things will happen all of the time. And that's the joy and the hope that's found in Scripture, is that it's, these words are life, and they are truth, and they fill us with hope. So turn to the Scriptures and read. And so that's the challenge to anybody who's a believer already, is continue to read the Scriptures, or begin to read the Scriptures if you need to, to let your eyes and your mind be opened to the hope that is found only in Christ Jesus. And if you're not a Christian today, I want, I want to ask you to consider. Do you want to repent for the forgiveness of your sins? Isn't that a wonderful thought to consider? I can actually stand before God someday... We don't know when that day will be, but I have that opportunity to stand before him with my sins forgiven. And they are many for any of us. They are many and they are great. 
But the opportunity is given for everyone to come to Jesus and to repent for the forgiveness of your sins, to get a new life, get a new way of thinking, to have, a, to have hope like these people, they had lost their hope, but then they had that hope restored, hope regained, hope renewed. That is joy, and that is peace in life. And you'll never stop growing and never stop learning, but you'll find hope in Christ all the day long. So if you want To repent for the forgiveness of your sins, I would encourage you today to find out what that means and find out how you can do that and how you can have Christ in your life. And if anybody wants to find out now, I'm going to be on the front pew here. You're welcome to come forward. If you want to talk to me later or talk to any member of the congregation, you're welcome to do so. But I invite you to come to Jesus and repent for the forgiveness of your sins. If you need to respond in any way, won't you please come as we stand and sing.